to whoever, wherever, and why ever you're listening. Welcome back. This is the Dudes Day podcast where we talk to 20 and 30-something dudes about their life experiences and the unique choices and perspectives uh, that accompany them. Uh, we're trying to create a community for people that want a little something more in life. Um, uh, complacency is not the name of the game. So we're, we're in people who have taken chances, who are out there grinding away at a, a particular dream um, and using their creativity to create something that's that's new and exciting. So this is episode 17, Dudes and Advertising Startups. And my guest today is Rob Filippi, and he's one of the founders of Real Life Analytics, an ad startup based over here in Boston. And this company is creating our advertisements, maybe on a billboard or you know, out at the mall or, or at a retailer that will be able to recognize whether this person is younger or older, male or female, and gear ads toward that person. So in case you're walking around in a mall and as a guy you see an ad for women's shoes, that wouldn't really be applicable. So instead, as you pass by in real time, this thing is updating and it's going to show you, you know, maybe a, a sale for some uh, some shirts and ties or a suit or some video games or something like that. So um, it's pretty wild, wild stuff, very forward thinking. And uh, and I'm excited to have Rob on. And just briefly about what we go over, he uh, grew up in Vancouver. So we have yet another Canadian on this podcast. It's kind of for, for my limited experience uh, in terms of travel to Canada, we, we certainly have a, a, a nice representation um, of America's top hat, as I like to call it. So uh, grew up in Vancouver, thought he would do economics, banking, went to school for it. He went to the University of Toronto. And during that time, of course, there's a financial crisis, 2008, and basically there's no banking jobs to be hacking as a, as a even – pre-college that you're going to be this big banker and, and to not do that um, at the age of 27 or 28 is it's, it's interesting stuff. So um, I think what you fi- find amongst uh, many little anecdotes and, and other interesting tidbits that Rob, uh, Rob conveys, he um, seems to take everything in stride, which is awesome. So thinking back on the events that led him here, each wall that was put up or each curveball that was thrown at him in life. He takes it in stride and was able to learn from it, brush himself off and, and continue on. Rob's a funny, lighthearted guy. I think the conversation went really smoothly um, and, and the, the flow is great. So we're going to jump right in. This is my conversation with Rob Filippi. Okay. So I'll give you the, I'll give you the right effort. So um, my undergrad is in economics from yeah. University of Toronto. And like all throughout there, I was like, I was going to be an investment banker. I was going to go into finance. It was going to be like, you know, big man on campus and make a bunch of money uh, in, uh, in Toronto. But uh, that was in 2008. So I got my first job um, at this uh, investment banking firm in September 2008. And like three weeks later, Lehman Brothers collapsed. And my boss takes me into his room and he's like, so you're pretty much getting fired. And I was like, <laughs> good start. Um, way to crush my dreams. I'm sure it sounded just like that too. Yeah. Well, so... it, was pretty, it was pretty much like everyone's getting let go. And of course, I was the new guy there. I was, it was like an internship for um, my uh, fourth year of university, which is supposed to like bleed into what you actually want to do. Right. But then it like 
you graduate in two thousand or I graduate in two thousand nine and it's full blown recession. I mean like no one's getting jobs. And um I was supposed to get a master's of banking economics in London, uh, which was obviously the smartest move to do in two thousand nine. Sure. Um, so <laughs> I found the one place on the planet that didn't have a recession that spoke English, which was Australia. So I guess it's like the big turn of my life was I basically like sat down, wrote an application. Yeah. What's, that, what's, um, what's go into this in detail. Let's, let's start from like the, the, the get go. This is great. So yeah, you can just run through this in like a couple minutes, but, um, I guess we just, let's just start where like. Did you grow up in Toronto? Like, what was your family like? Oh, what were no. your interests? Uh, oh, well, like, growing up, I was, um, I grew up in Vancouver on the other side of the country. And uh, I guess I was just like the nerdy, unpopular, fat kid who, like, <laughs> was not good with girls and, like, didn't work out. And all I did was, like, play, what did I play at the time? Call of Duty. And that was like up until like grade 10 or 11, but that's all I did. I was in band. Like if there's some kid and you're like, let's pick on someone. You're like, you'd point to me. You're like, let's get that kid. <laughs> what did you do to defend yourself? Or did, oh. did you just go play call of duty and take yeah, it out I'm like, I'm in out the virtual world? Pretty much. So, uh, yeah, that was what I was up to. And then, um, I don't know. I think it was around like grade 10 or 11. I just, just had like something went off in my head and, just started working out, like reading a lot more. Did you have anybody to like to look to for that? Like how how did you like what is that light that goes off in your head that you're just like fed kind of fed up with how things are? Yeah, I guess it wasn't really it wasn't a, at this point in my life it wasn't a, a guy it was it was actually a girl. So of all people, um, my mother was like friends with all these other um like moms around the school and she she introduces me to this like incredibly incredibly attractive like blonde six foot two um like girl from california um who is in my grade who i'd never met before because of course i'm i'm the kid in the corner that that no one wants to hang out with but yeah mom's the mess maker okay (laughs) and she introduces me to this girl and i was like oh my god i gotta like get my life together um, <laughs> there was the, one of those girls uh, from my high school. She was older than us. I distinctly remember going to Blockbuster oh, with wow. my friend, and I was a freshman, and she, and she was a senior. And I go into, I, I, it was probably getting like a Call of Duty type game. It was probably like Grand Theft Auto or something. <laughs> and, I, and, and I go to to check out, and I like couldn't speak. To, it was her <laughs> working behind the counter, and I'm like. Gah, yeah. Uh, and I like put the game down and just walked out. <laughs> and so I go back to the car. My friend's like, "Where's the game?" I was like, "I couldn't do it. I couldn't talk. To, I couldn't talk Close. to her." The, uh, it's so funny how how absolutely paralyzing that becomes. But uh, anyway, it gets better. It gets better. <laughs> or, or sometimes it doesn't. I mean, some people still will uh, still freeze up. But it's it's like it's an acquired skill. It's like right. just getting over your fears. And, uh, yeah, that's, so I, I meet this girl and, um, I think the, the biggest takeaway from that was, uh, you know, people that I perceived that were just out of my league. Like this girl was like, you know, when you're 16, 17 and oh, it's a very this beautiful girl and you just like, you put them on this pedestal sure. and you think you'll never talk to them and th- they're so above you. Um, but she was just one of the most down to earth people that I've ever met. Like 
she's super free spirited. She talked about um, like, you know, culture and reading and traveling and trying to understand people, like what makes them tick. And it really gave me a different perspective on not only my relationship with, with her, but my relationship with other people that I shouldn't, you know, judge them before I, before I even meet them. And definitely that appearances can be deceiving. Um, and I think that was a really good lesson for someone who is quite, quite sheltered and played a lot of call of duty because you don't really get those, uh, those life lessons. Uh, so that really brought me out. Um, and I think if it wasn't, if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't have, like, I wouldn't have joined rugby. Um, I wouldn't have gone to school across the country. Um, and I wouldn't have, uh, really explored all the options that were, that were outside my basement. So she unlocked a lot for you just by just, just her behavior yeah. alone and her idea of the world. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I've had like a, probably three major relationships in my life. And I, I really look at those as sort of defining points um, and uh, a lot of takeaways that you can come from them. Uh, so that was the first one. And yeah, and they moved out to Toronto. Amazing. So do you have a plan in mind? You're just going to kind of go out there and figure it out uh, at the university? What's uh, Yeah, what's I just like, plan going there? I just picked up, um, I was like, you know what, I'm going to go to Toronto and try to make it work. And um, at this time in my life, like I, I just had that plan. Like I knew I just wanted to do finance. I just wanted to do banking. Um, so I like specialized in economics and just like pumped out these courses. And, um, yeah, it, it wasn't, it wasn't the university experience I thought it would be. Like, um, I always thought university would be this place where you go and you, you learn and then you get a degree and then you get a job. And like, that was university. That's what I was like primed for and uh and then i get there and i get this like you you start learning about yourself there like how to manage your time how to manage your friends Uh, like yeah let's pause it real quick i don't know what i might be picking up like a couple things i don't know if you're like playing with the the mic or something like that but there's just like some scratching that's uh okay is that better yeah that's perfect okay sorry oh no Uh, no problem yeah yeah. we'll just cut that out don't worry about it (laughs) All right. So manage time. Sorry. Continue on. You, you know, you manage your time, uh, manage your friends. And, you know, to be quite honest, like Vancouver is a very, is a very small secluded town, all things considered, especially in Canada. And it's like moving to the big city. Toronto's the biggest city in Canada. And there's, there's so there's much just vast, like, give me a concept of what it's like to, to grow up in Canada versus now you're over in Boston. <laughs> like, it just seems like just a vast. Like the like ma- like maps don't ju- do it justice as to how just expansive Empty the land is. is. Yeah, I mean, uh, well, I mean, Vancouver is a, a city, but it's not. I mean, I grew up literally on the side of a mountain. So if you look at my my house, uh, I could go ten minutes up, you go snowboarding, ten minutes down, you go kayaking, all in the same day. Um, it's it's wow. one of the only parts of the on the planet where you've got glaciers not glaciers but like snow peaked mountains directly on the ocean um and it's just unbelievably beautiful and then then you go over the rocky mountains and then it's just flat until you hit i don't know ottawa (laughs) 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 and it's just it's just this expansive area um but yeah so it it, but there's not a lot there. Like it's really just a touristy town that's that's big, and it doesn't have like the amenities that say Seattle or Boston or LA or New York have. Um, so once I get, so I fly into I fly into Toronto, 
And it really is this, this experience like no other, like there's this massive hub of people. There's these skyscrapers, there's, um, you know, university in the middle of the city. There's you know people running around and yelling at each other in the street. And it, it feels like this big, dirty city that's overwhelming. And I think it did overwhelm me for the first year or two. Um, and I think that's an experience a lot of guys get. They move to a city, like a real city, and it's just like everything's at their fingertips. And if you don't like manage your time and manage your mind, like it will consume you. And that happened to a lot of my friends, whether it was with just like slacking off for school or just like getting involved in the wrong crowd and um, just just like not setting the priorities correctly yeah man. and i i thought i had it figured out because i went to boston <laughs> college right so even you you act like it's in Bo- boston's in the name of the school but it's not in boston right you're in this like kind of a bubble nice closed-knit safe community over there and i moved to new york like right after college and i you know 22 you act like you have everything figured out i just went through college and that's actually what like ate me up was like the year and a half two years in new york of just not being able to, uh, I guess you, 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 yeah, you gotta, yeah, exactly. There's, there's so much, especially right out of college, right. You acting the same way. Um, there was Thursday night, Friday night drinking, Saturday night drinking. Yeah. And then like you realize, you know, four five, six, two years go by and then what you've got, you've got no bank account, right. (laughs) Got a, a perpetual hangover. Right. And your friends that like you know took some nights off and created took a, a new course did stuff that like, they they've got something going on. You're like, wait yeah. a sec, I missed it. <laughs> you never told me you were doing that on the side. <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> you're like, I screwed up. Yeah. I screwed up. Yeah. <laughs> oh, exactly. Yeah. If you're not looking out for yourself, man, like you, yeah, you could definitely get uh, get sidetracked without even knowing it. So. But you really got to find someone like you need a mentor. And yeah. that's what I got when I, well, probably around like year three or four in Toronto, like I got a mentor and he was just like, look, this is what you need to do. Who, who was this character? This, so, uh, this godsend. <laughs> his name was, um, Maz. His name was Adam Maz. And he was just this guy in my fraternity who was always like a few years older than me. Um, who we never always, he was never your sa- the same age as you. <laughs> no. Well, he was never around either. Like he was there, <laughs> but he was not there. He's always like this elusive character, but he, he always had it together. Like, um, I remember meeting him in like first year and I like went to his apartment and he just like had all these, like, you know, the P 90 X, like with the, the dumbbells everywhere. Oh, Tony Horton. Yeah. 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 And he was just like, yeah, I'm going to get six pack abs. And I was like, all right. And then, like, I saw him, like, six or eight months later, and he had them. And that was, like, one of the first times in my life where someone says, like, this is what I'm going to do, and then they do it. And, uh, like, that was very powerful to, mm. because, you know, up until that point, you know, I'm, what, 18, 19? Of course, I've got it all figured out, right? Um, and then I meet this guy who said when he says he's going to do something, he does it. And that was that was interesting. And he, you know, take me to lunch every, you know, four or five months and ask me what's going on and this and that. And he, he'd pay for lunch. And they're like, that's, you know, when you're a starving college kid, you're like, oh my God, that's, that's so grateful. Yeah. And uh, a 30, a 30 rack of beer or something like that is like, God, it's Christmas, you know, like you don't have to, whatever it is, like anything that you have to pay for usually is such a a burden on yourself. No, no, I know. But, uh, oh, and one more thing to, to, to mention is the thing you just said about saying something and doing it. I think that's been, I mean, we're only 
probably 20 deep in the podcast, but uh, it seems to be a common theme already of even if you have like uh, very ambitious uh, goals that other people might not see, saying that you're going to do it and then starting to do it, that rids yourself of all the once you continue down the path, people go from trying to like uh, either make fun of you or not really understanding what you're doing to like wanting to help you out once you like commit to a specific path. And that seems to be the way with a lot of the people that have really like done some creative stuff, some amazing stuff and, and changed up their paths. Yeah, no, And I agree. Cause you know, you you never want to be that guy who goes, "Oh man, I'm totally like I'm totally going to move to New York City. Like that's going to be me." And, and then like three did. years later, yeah, yeah, um, like I would I would feel bad for myself if I if I was that person. Um, so it was it was really good that I got to see someone actually actualize their their goals. Um, and he he actually went on. He became an entrepreneur and uh, started a few businesses in uh, Toronto. So. Um, he was a lot of very good inspiration for just like saying what you do and doing what you say. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so that began to affect you what, like at the end of college? Yeah. Uh, yeah. At the end of college, it was, you know, I was like ready, but I was still focused on my, on my, um, on my banking career. And I think when, when the recession hit and my dreams were destroyed, which is which is now I look back at it. It's a good thing um, because it gave me perspective. So because I give a, I always, oh yeah, sorry. Give a quick rundown of, of what what happened. Um, <laughs> I know you started at the beginning of the, but we, that was off the off the record. So okay, yeah. So um, I finally get a job as like a fourth year intern at an investment bank. Woo! Like yeah. my, you're the man. <laughs> you're the man. I was the man, um, and I was gonna like transition that into my career afterwards, but this is 2008 and this is September. And then Lehman brothers collapse three weeks later and I'm done. <laughs> like everyone's done. Uh, so actually that summer, because like there was, there's no jobs for anyone. I, I dug ditches with, well, not really dug ditches, but we did like very, very manual construction jobs, uh, digging ditches, like laying pipe, um, doing a lot of just manual labor in uh, northern Toronto with my roommate who didn't get into med school that year. So both of us were just like really in a bad place. Um, but <laughs> banking fails, yeah. fails, but graves, graveyards, yeah. <laughs> digging ditches. <laughs> it's a recession proof industry. Dirt. Yeah. It'll always be there. <laughs> yeah so i mean we can laugh at it now but at the time like it was it was not fun <laughs> but it was you know tears are good for soil it was good because you know it really gave me so much perspective i mean um some of my friends didn't have work and they had no hope of finding it for a while and all that my jobs up until here had been not they hadn't been the cushiest jobs. Like I'd worked in kitchens as a server, as a waiter, as a bartender. And like, those are, those are pretty good jobs. Like you make cash, you get to, you know, stay up all night and drink and that's fine. But like you go out and, after working in an office, uh, and then dig, uh, in the cold, <laughs> it's like, it's not great. <laughs> you sound, <laughs> you sound like somebody that like moved here after the second world war 
and like <laughs> he's, he's, he's like he'd be my great grandfather. But I mean, yeah, it yeah, just that, puts it in perspective. And now I like I really I really value a lot of like the work that I not only do for myself, but when I work for other people, um, because I know there's there is it can be worse, mm-hmm. and it's not. And I'm I'm quite blessed to be in the position I am uh, in Boston with my company with the people around me who work. Um, it's uh, and it's just perspective at the end of the day. And I think if you've, you've only been in one industry or one type of work, you don't understand, you know, people around you and what they're going through. So for yeah, instance, that's, that's great. Interdependence, right? It's yeah. Everything relies on everything else. We, uh, what, one of the things I like to do when I'm, when I'm hiring someone is, uh, I'll go to a restaurant uh, with them, you know, buy them lunch or whatnot. Mm-hmm. But you really see how a person behaves when they interact with the waiter or waitress. Because I've been on the other hand of that equation. And, you know, sometimes you have great customers who just, you know, want to help you and understand, you know, it's a tough job and you're trying to do your best. And there's other times where just people treat you quite poorly. Mm-hmm. And if you can see that from the person who you're about to hire, how they interact with someone who has really no bearing or they assume has no bearing on their life, um, you can start to see their character. And I like to have people in my company who have character. I mean, the skills can be learned, whatever, whatever I need you to do. Uh, but, uh, you know, how you treat other people, are you gracious? Are you kind? Like I can't teach that. Um, but those are the people I want to be around. Ah, poignant. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. All right. I mean, that's, that's terrific. All right. We'll, we'll get into, uh, We'll get into that a little later on. So what, like, I think the the toughest thing is to, to be doing one thing while searching for something else. So what, hmm. what was your next move after, uh, you know, after you kind of Lehman Brothers failed and you're, you find yourself <laughs> digging? digging well, I was going to, so I, I wanted to get my master's uh, and I was going to go to London to get my master's of banking uh, for in 2009, September 2009. But again, that, that was a terrible idea on my part. I should not be getting my master's of banking right after the economy collapses. So um, I looked for the next place on the planet that didn't have a recession, uh, which happened to be Australia. Um, so basically I picked up, applied um, like the last day, and then I get this certificate or this acceptance letter in the mail a few few weeks later. And they're like, you're in. We'll see you. February 10th and I just like book planes and, and move down there. What's your knowledge about what you're getting into at the moment? It's gotta be minimal. Yeah. Of so, like, have you, did you like scope out Australia or are you just kind of going on what you heard? Cause I think so, that's a very important skill is, is to just make the leap, not knowing all the, all the facts. Okay. So this was the extent of my facts. I went to my um, professor who gave me a letter of recommendation to London, and he was like, okay, uh, you want to go to Australia? An old graduate student of mine, his name's Tom, he runs uh, an economics department at ANU, and ANU's um, one of the top schools in Australia, uh, top in the world, one of the top in the world, and he's like, you might like it, you should apply, and then I applied and that was it. Like I didn't get a recommendation <laughs> from Tom. I didn't call Tom. Um, I just sort of applied and, and flew down. And it turned out someone on my Facebook like lived in uh, in the same city, so they picked me up at the airport. 
and I stayed at her house for three days and I moved in my res. And that's, that's the extent. Wow. I read a book on Australia before I went down there. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was it. <laughs> Did it, it used to be where they, England sent all their prisoners, right? That's, that's correct. Yeah. And it was- it's, <laughs> They have just like crazy, dangerous snakes. I got to tell you this story. So I'm on a date with this girl and we are walking on a farm outside the city I'm in and a brown snake slithers by. And brown snakes are the dangerous, most dangerous snake on the planet. And I'm like, uh, get me away from that snake. I don't want to be anywhere near that. And she like smacks me on the shoulder and then picks up a shovel and decapitates the snake in front of me and just like walks away like it was nothing. <laughs> like, who is this girl? Are you, are you married to her? <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> but it, like, it, it's that sort of stuff that happens in Australia. You're just like toughen up, like get over it. Yeah. Fuck it. I'm about to behead a serpent right now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll carry on. We'll, that will not break the romantic mood we've set for each other. Oh, that's terrific. Oh, God, that's great. <laughs> so good. Um yeah, so I just sort of I jumped into this this program down there, and uh, I, that's where I actually met my current business partners. We uh, we all went drinking on Thursday nights um, as poor graduate students, and uh, we just sort of kept in touch. Uh, but you know, the the main takeaway for graduate school was it teaches you you know, how to think, like unlike undergrad where there's all these like tutorials and you know, study groups and aids, like basically grad school for me was here's a textbook, come, come back for the exam. Like, and it's, it's tough. Like it's, it's, uh, it's a whole different world from uh, undergrad. And it, um, my my sister's at grad school right now. And she was just talking about uh, for business and, um, just how you need to be, uh, collaborative, and you need to be resourceful and like it's an impossible amount of stuff to handle on your own. But if you have a nice group that has maybe specialties or can help each other out, like that's kind of where it happens. So is that, was that the same kind of experience for you? No, no. So um, I guess economics is a bit different than um, than business school. Like we had a lot of math and proofs and like linear regressions and stuff. Um, and the one the one thing I learned in grad school was just like – how repetition like teaches you how how something works so this is this is exactly how i'd study for my my final exams uh, and i still do this to this day when i do have presentations when i have to uh, memorize something i get a big whiteboard and i write out everything i need to know Let, let's say it's a uh, a proof that's like two whiteboards big and i just have to write it out so i'll write it out and then i'll erase it and then i'll start writing it again from memory and then I'll get as far as I can and then look at the answer and then erase it and do that again until I can write it out on the entire two whiteboards flawlessly. If I have to do a speech, I'll, I'll write out the speech. And if I can't go through the entire speech by writing it out, I'll erase it until I can write it again flawlessly. And it just it taught me how to learn. And uh, I, I find that incredibly useful now because the amount of stuff that I need to learn, that I need to go over, that I need to memorize, if I didn't have a technique for doing that, it just it would just disappear. Question, do you visualize while you're doing this? Like what are you thinking about while you're writing it? Are you putting pictures in your head? Or Oh, yeah. Um, uh, I'm an cre- incredibly visual person. Um, so I usually will shut my eyes and like write a bit and see it like sort of come in through my head. 
and then see if that's correct and then keep going and keep going. Um, I sort of, I, I use associations like with, with pictures and words, like if it's a, it's a mathematical formula, um, you can, you can like chunk it. So like, like four X plus B that will, that'll come up again. So I know I can make that another variable like cookies or cake and I'll just write that out and then I'll just have like cake, cookies and beer. And then at the end of the formula, I can expand it again. So I don't have to memorize all the, the equations at once. Amazing. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, that's not who teaches that, right? You gotta, you gotta figure it out on your own. It seems to be a rather uh, popular method for those that can can do this type of stuff. But like, who? When does that actually get taught in school? It seems like oh, it doesn't get taught in school. And this goes back to um, like Adam, uh, sorry, Adam Maz from uh, from earlier. Like he oh, sat me down. P ninety X. Yeah, P ninety X guy. Okay. He like sat me. Down, he's like, look, you got to read all these books. You got to do this and this and this. And that's sort of something that I've kept up today. Is, I mean, you know, the, these like self help, uh, improvement, business books. Like, I find like ninety percent of what's in a single book is like not really relevant. But every once in a while, you, you like read that one sentence. You're like, oh my god, that's a great idea. I should totally incorporate that into my life. And you know, it'll be different from you if you read a book, or different from me if I read a book. Right. Um, but that chunking thing was one of the things that I. Um, I brought away. In fact, it came from like um, a trivia book. It was like how to how to like remember weird trivia, like uh, you know what's the capital of Poland and how how long is the coastline of England and all these things. And one of the things was chunking when you're doing uh, when you're trying to remember like large sets of numbers for like odd trivia. So that's where I picked that up. Got it. Yeah, uh, I think the the kind of popular book right now is is moonwalking with einstein of the oh yes yes uh yeah i think i read that like three or four years ago that that man i cannot believe he he did so well yeah (laughs) i haven't done the memory palace like i've tried to do a memory palace but it just it doesn't work for me you're not trying hard enough robert (laughs) (laughs) oh i don't know i don't know yeah that's not something that interests me to do but it's it's still an incredible feat nonetheless that's that's great stuff um, okay. So, uh, still banking in your future. Let's, uh, let's, let's hyper jump to the steps that got you over to, uh, okay. potentially do doing advertising or getting <laughs> the hell out of, uh, out of banking. So I was, I was actually went into consulting afterwards and I remember it was like my third week on the job. Is that just like something that your friends were also doing? Was that something you wanted to do? Yeah, you go to grad school, um, in like sort of economics or, business or finance and you, you, you know, you go to consulting, right? It's, it's a pretty sweet gig. I mean, you get paid pretty well. And, um, I mean, the hours are long, but it's, it's not like grueling. So it's just like, yeah, you do consulting. Why not? Um, so yeah, I, I was like my third weekend and I looked over and there was this guy, he must've been like 55 and he was like the next desk over. And I was like, man, I do not want that to be me. Like I just, I was just like, I'm not going to do this. So I plotted my escape. Um, <laughs> you and I, saw yourself in the future. Yeah. I'm like, I'm done. Yeah. Uh, so I, <laughs> I, I'm back in, uh, back in Canada now. And, uh, I just, I was like, I want to get into tech. Like tech seems exciting. I mean, you know, all these IPOs are happening at the time. I mean, Facebook just bought WhatsApp for, you know, $19 billion and everything's just, 
you know, tech, tech, tech. It's young, it's exciting, it's sexy. Uh, but I, I didn't like, I have no idea how to do Like I don't code or I didn't code at the time. Um, like, I don't know anyone in tech. So I just, um, I just networked my way in. And I think this is one of the best things I, I learned on my own. Uh, that, uh, you know, a lot of people should know it's, um, you know, how to get the job that you want. And a lot of people, you know, like, Oh, I can't find a job or, um, I, I can't find the right job. And how do I get in? And how, and that's why I was like, I was in that position. Like, I was like, I know I need to do this. And it just started off by like, just crushing LinkedIn, like getting all these connections. Every time I talked to one of my friends or my family uh, or one of my classmates, I'd be like, hey, do you know someone in this industry and very specific, like tech doing accounting or tech doing finance? Um, and then you start getting a list of like people who may know people. And then you can like start whittling down that list and getting like coffee dates and going to beer afterwards and just like being at events where they might be. And then you can finally like get into these like sweet tech jobs because the job postings for these companies don't exist. You have to know someone in there. So I ended up getting can into you meet them through call of duty. <laughs> you know, you probably can. Yeah. Probably. <laughs> and, uh, that would be a very, uh, it would be rare, but a very intimate connection. I think. I think they're playing like Minecraft now. Mm. I don't know. Clash Clans, something like that. Oh, Clash Clans. There you go. Or no, League of Legends or Dota. Dota. Yeah. Haven't heard of that. Oh, it's uh, it's pretty big. It's one of the big ones. Uh, so yeah, I just uh, ended up getting into tech at sort of like like way lower than um, a position, way lower than I'm used to, especially after doing consulting. But it was so exciting because you're in this company, you know. There's probably you know ten to twenty people. So who who did you talk to, and what what company is this? I was uh, it was a company called uh, Fundraiser, and they're sort of like Kickstarter, but for mm-hmm. Canada. Okay. And they uh, they're, so they're relative- a little just a little nicer and a little smaller. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> very nice. In fact, they're very <laughs> nice people, and I just like networked my way in. Um, and, you know, sat down with the CEO and we had this, it was the weirdest job interview because I'm so used to those job interviews where they're like, tell me about yourself and what are your strengths and weaknesses? And tell me about a time when this, um, and he's just like, how can you add value to this company? And like, that was just such a, like a, a change of the way of thinking. Cause no one ever asks me like, how do you add value? They're just like, what can you do? Mm. And mm. the I'm value. Actually, I was just with my friend on Friday. She was interviewing for a um, uh, a business development position at one of those uh, the obstacle course like races, like a oh, tough, Spartan like a, race. Yeah, like a Spartan race or Tough Mudder stuff like that. Yeah. And she was uh, that was basically it. She called one day, and they're like, "Okay, well, could you make a list of things that you would change and what you do?" And isn't that the best way to do it? Exactly. Like what kind of like the it's almost like when they people complain about now teaching for a test in the schools and you're not teaching them relevant information like the the children. Like do you prep for an interview of the same bogus questions all the time and really polish that off or are you going to make something very specific to the role and I can get a taste of exactly what your thought process is? Instead mm-hmm. of just being a canned, a canned item, I don't know. Just my thought on that, but no, I I, I agree with that as well. Um, so I just uh, we we talked about 
what I could do. And I'm like, well, I'm an economist. I've got all this finance training, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, yeah, okay. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and he, and he's like, what if I put you in front of a client? Like, what if I need you to go to a trade show? What if I need you to pull numbers or do analysis? What if I need you to like work with the design team? What if I need you to like create a marketing campaign with the CMO? And like that, it really made me change what I thought of a business. Cause I always thought about myself as sort of a cog. Like I, if I can just like do these reports really well and like get the next promotion, like I can, you know, have more autonomy and make more money. Um, but like working at the startup, it was like, you, you need to like pull in from everything you've learned, your people skills, your technical skills, your travel, like your stamina, your traveling ability, your understanding of, you know, politics, because you got to talk to people. Like it just, it, it pulled on everything I knew, and that was the most exciting part of it. Talk, I, talk about I, stamina real quick. What do you mean by that? Well, uh, you know, working in a startup is um, usually you don't make a lot of money, um, and you got to put in a lot of hours, and you got to do a lot of different things. So throughout the whole day, you're not just like sitting at a desk. You're talking to people. You're um, making like reports or presentations or crunching numbers, or at least I was. And then I got to like go out to a meeting. Um, and then I got to go to a trade show or, um, you know, meet someone new. It's, it's, there's, there's so much going on, um, that you have to just be, be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Um, because, you know, let's say there's a bad month for the company. You might not get payroll and then the company's done. So uh, that's just a reality of having a startup or a new company. And now I've sort of become accustomed to that. Like, you know, especially with my company, like it, you know, it might not be around in three months. And to a lot of people, that's really, um, uh, it's really scary. But I've sort of become comfortable with that because I know, I know now that I can just like start a new one and it might not make it, but I can start another one after that. And after that, and after that, and eventually, one of them's going to make it. So, and so nothing's like nothing's the end of the road. Nothing's finite. This is all just kind of a long, one long journey. Well, I always, I always say, uh, you know, looking back at my life, like now that when I'm talking to you and putting together all the dots, like going from IB, the economy crashing, going to Australia learning all this stuff, figuring out what I don't want to do, figure out what I want to do, moving back to Canada, blah, 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 blah. It's like during the time, you know, like you can't connect the dots. It's just, it's, it, it's too muddy. Mm. But now looking back, I'm like, well, I can do this because I did this in the past and I can do that because I did this in the past. And now that I'm sort of more, um, I, I have perspective on my life. I understand that going forward, I'll have even more perspective and I'll be able to draw on all these experiences. So it's just it's it's a it's an open mindedness to what uh I guess elements of things you've done in the past. You might not have sold advertising, but if you've sold something else, you've been involved in advertising. Some elements have allowed you to to take the next step um of doing something. So I I just I don't know, it seems seems to me a lot of a lot of people are not um as aware of all the skills that they possess. No, <laughs> right. Man, I, I like, I've always been told by myself and by other people that like, you're not good enough. Like 
your grades aren't good enough to go to an Ivy League or like you're not smart enough to do the LSAT or you can't finish grad school. You can't do this, blah, blah. And like, and then everyone's going to tell you, you can't until you can. And, uh, I've just been proving to myself that I can, that I can start this business, that I can move to Boston while I don't know anyone here, that I can move to Australia and like get a master's degree. Um, and I can make a shift in my career from like consulting and finance into, uh, tech. Like there's a lot of these unknowns that a lot of people say, well, don't like, you know, get your 401k, like get a steady job, like buy a house at 25 and just be very safe. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that's, that is good advice for some people. Uh, and I'm not saying you shouldn't do all that. Like you should have a 401k and a house and all that stuff. Uh, but you have to be willing to take risks. Um, and I, I take as many risks as possible because I, I always look back in my life when I'm, I mean, I'm 28, so I'm not, um, I'm not that old, but the things that I didn't do are the things that I regret. It's not the things that I did and screwed up on. It's mm-hmm. the things that I'm like, man, what was I thinking? Like I missed out on that. Yeah. Why was I so afraid of? Yeah. Whatever. Like, what are they going to do? Take away Christmas? Right. Like, <laughs> they're not. They're not going to do that. Now, <laughs> how monumentally would you have to screw up to like ruin Christmas for everyone? I got a potato you? once. Yeah. My parents like gave me a potato. I was like, all right, maybe I have to. Is that, is, that, is that misbehavior or a complete misunderstanding of Christmas from the Canadian front? No, it's misbehavior. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. We don't really get this holiday, but I mean this this should be a good meal for you. <laughs> <laughs> you shouldn't go to you won't be going to bed hungry. Oh man. Yeah. Okay, all right. <laughs> so uh so uh, this this real life analytics. Let's give like to the onset. So you're you're grabbing beers with your buddies, and uh, what's the you know, like well, aha moment or the, the, the yeah the idea? Generation. So we were we were in London actually. So my partner uh, graduated from Cambridge, so he's definitely smarter than I am. Uh, and he we're walking on the street, and there's this sign, and it was for like women's shoes or something. And we were in um, like uh, Regent Street or Oxford Street in London. And I'm like, why are there women's shoes right here? It's like there are three dudes and there's an ad for shoes on the middle of the street. Like this is ridiculous. It's just one of those like billboard ads yeah. that you see like at a bus stop. Right. It's static. Yeah, static ads. Yeah. And uh, George, um, he looks at it. He's like, oh, yeah, well, you know, I change that all the time when I um, – online because he, he's, uh, he's a tech guy. And he's like, this is super easy to do. I mean Google AdWords does it. Amazon does it. And we're like, why can't we do this for the outdoors? And Adam's like, well, you'd have to know the person that's standing in front of it, know their demographics. And George is like, well, I can do that. And we just like go from there. So we've really been working remotely for the past three months. Um, no, past, sorry, six or eight months. Me in Canada, George in Bogota, Colombia, and Adam in London. And we've just been getting it off the ground. So basically what we're doing, and people always chide us for this, is we're creating minority report where, yeah. you know, someone walks into a store. Uh, if I walk in, you'll see that it's a white male, 20 ish with glasses. Um, and an ad will appear like maybe what, like what's reading. It's not reading your body. It's reading the, I don't know, characteristics of it. It's not reading you as a person. No, no. Yet. We determine things about you. We right. don't identify you. So what are the, uh, uh, all right. All right. All right. Uh, 
How? How? Okay, how? All right, so essentially it comes down to uh, points on your face. So if you looked at me, you'd say like, oh, you're a white 20-something guy because you've seen like thousands of white 20-something guys, right? Lord knows I have, yeah. Yeah, Lord knows you have. So, <laughs> Boss, I've seen nothing but that. <laughs> and there's like uh, points in your face that correspond with uh, your memory. So whenever you see those points on a face, your um, temporal uh, lobe switches on and you it knows that what you see is what you know. The same works with like glasses or watches or picture frames or whatever. You just – you know what it is because you've been taught to know what it is. So we've – taught a computer to know the same thing. So we've replicated the, the temporal lobe of a uh, human brain in a computer. So when the pixels come in through the camera, it knows what those pixels are. And now, it's simple. It's super I mean, simple. <laughs> right, right, right. Of course. Yes. Very simple. Um, what have you, what technologies did you take from that? Like, you know, to kind of like stand on their shoulders, like what was already in place that you kind of just, Combined, because you didn't build this from scratch. No, no, no. Well, yes and no. So uh, facial and, like, object detection is nothing new. Like, you can put, you know, a face in front of uh, your computer, and it'll determine that it's a face. The thing we do different, like our secret sauce, is that we do this in 20 milliseconds. So, and we do it without processing power. Like, we do it with very little. It's basically an app. I mean, it can run on your phone, Um and so when the object comes in front of the the computer, it knows in 20 milliseconds without storing any video, without storing any images, what that object is based on what we've trained it. Got it. But Robert, so it, your, your training's in banking. <laughs> yeah, I know. I don't understand. Man, How are you it, doing this? Well, I mean, I, I don't do any of the tech. I'll be quite upfront with that. I do all the, the marketing and... Um, you know, operations and hiring and, you know, I try to do some financial projections, but Adam, he's a Cambridge grad. He does that better. Uh, I guess the only reason I got into this is one, um, I met these really cool guys in grad school and, uh, two, uh, I just finally found something that I'm good at. And, <laughs> and I don't like to say, you know, follow your passion because my passion is not, um, it's not tech. It's not advertising. My passion 100% is cooking. Like I love cooking and um, I'll do that on Sundays, Saturdays and Sundays to like de-stress. I'll like cook for, you know, 30 people. In fact, I cooked for 30 people two weeks ago. Um, oh, wow. But I found something I that I'm invited. good at. Okay. Like because like if your passion is about art, like you better be really, really good at art right. so you can pay the bills. Like really good. Uh, but I'm good at, you know, people – I'm good at selling stuff. I'm good at managing a small team. I'm good at setting deadlines. I'm good at getting results out of people. And uh, that's that's why I like what I do. I mean, I'd love to cook for a living, but I'm not Thomas Keller. Like, I'm not Gordon Ramsay. That's just not going to happen. What's preventing you from, like, just diving headfirst into that? <laughs> into cooking? Yeah, into, like, uh, learning how to... I think it's... It, well, I, I worked in restaurants uh, a while ago... Um, I think it's just a bad environment, at least the ones I worked in. It was a lot of sex, drugs, rock and roll, um, and I just didn't feel like I was being creative or I had a lot of control over over my work. And this gives me – my company gives me control. It gives me autonomy. It gives me um, pleasure, um, and it gives me a purpose. And uh, cooking can only do part of that. 
Um, I, I'm sure there are chefs like the three Michelin star chefs that uh, get all of that. But uh, you know what I do right now it gives me all four of those things. Now, it, correct me if I'm wrong. I assume that there's probably a uh, a period in your cooking. It's almost like you're like kind of latent creative phase where you can like back off of the day-to-day stuff and stuff will just pop into your head just because you're not focusing on it anymore. Can you like use elements of like, uh, I even had, I had a chef on early on, um, on the podcasts and he just will, will zone out to music and the music will help stimulate something in his brain to maybe think of dishes, um, or stuff like that. So do you use yeah. cook, cooking at all or is it completely, completely just an escape? You know, it goes, it probably goes back to my, my graduate training. Like I use a whiteboard. Um, I put a, put all these ingredients that I, I have or I want or want to try on this whiteboard and I sort of like throw them together and, uh, I see like, I think in my head, like, would this taste good? Like how would this work together? How would I cook it together? Um, and I just sort of do like mental mapping that way. Like I try to visualize it. Um, uh, music doesn't, doesn't do it for me. I know, I know it, it does do it for some people, but, uh, I'm uh, I'm more of a visual person than an um, than an audio person. Okay, okay. And does this help you at all with your day to day stuff? Uh, no, I wouldn't. I actually no, I, I wouldn't. I think uh, the the reason I cook is because uh, it allows me to be creative in in a different manner. Got it. Um, I, I mean, when you when you're starting a company, you have to be creative in in some respects. I mean, you have to. At the end of the day, you got to get shit done. Um, and it doesn't matter how it gets done. It has to get done, uh, because there's usually there's no intern or your business partner is busy with something else. So you figure out like, how do I make this hundred bucks into a thousand bucks? How do I turn like six hours in a day into 12 hours of productivity? Um, and that's, that's a wholly different part of my brain than when it comes to cooking. And I'm trying to like figure out, well, does, you know, this ingredient go with that one or how long do I have to cook it for? And like, it's a sustained concentration. Um, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't discount that type of creativity either. Um, they just have their, their places. Got it. Got it. Cool. All right, man. Yeah. Let's, let's spend the last like six, seven minutes, uh, just talking about how, what it's been like to actually start this thing and find uses for like, did you uh, kind of know your customer base, at least maybe one or two potential ones right away. Um, mm-hmm. just like the beginning of the, the development of these real life analytics and then, and then where it's, you know, the, the journey yeah, so that you've been on. Our original plan was to take over the world with billboards. Awesome. Like, yeah, Love just it. like put digital billboards everywhere. Like we're going to do it. Um, you know, apparently that costs like <laughs> crazy amount. What are you singing? <laughs> Everybody wants yeah, to, to rule, rule the world. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, we were going to like take over the world. And apparently it's really, really expensive to like set up digital billboards everywhere. And there's like unions involved and stuff like this. Um, but unions. we knew we had to. They stif- <laughs> stifling so much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and we. We were going to just take over the world, but, uh, you know, life gets in the way, like costs and money and, uh, unions and you know, all these laws that you have to deal with. So we had to take our product and really refine it. So, um, 
a lot of people talk about, you know, Steve Jobs or um, Henry Ford, and their quotes would be like, "Well, if I asked my customers what they want, they would have wanted a, a, a faster horse." Right. Um, and but for the majority of ideas, like you're not going to be the next Mark Zuckerberg, you're not going to be next Steve Jobs. Like you might be, but like let's look at the odds. Like you're probably not me. You you probably have a really good idea, but you really really have to listen to your customers. Like I would go like since I moved to Boston, like I would go out every day and just like have coffee with someone who's like in the advertising or media or digital media space and be like, Hey, this is my idea. Like, what do you think about it? And then give me all this feedback. And I did that every day for a month. And at the end of it, we just had a completely different product. Um, it was the same guts. Like it's still the same work, the same with all the detection, but the way we deployed it, who our market was going to be, who our customers were going to be, how we're going to get money from it, that completely changed. And there an over, did you have to overcome any sort of like maybe ego or personal kind of, feelings toward your original idea or was it loose? Yeah. Um, I, like I was doing a lot of the market research and my partners were sort of doing a lot of the development and I'd come back and like, guys, like, look, this is what I'm hearing. This is what I'm hearing. And they're saying, well, you know, let's just like stay the course with what we have. And it was really like one of those, you know, founder discussions. It was like, should we change? Should we change? And um, I had to, you know, present it like um, I was selling something to, you know, a potential customer. It's like, okay, like this is what we have now. This is our traction. This is our market understanding. Or we go over to this uh, route where I've got this input from these people who are saying this, who work with these cu- potential customers. Um, so I really just had to give it the give it the sale, and it ended up working out. Like um, where we are right now, um, we're potentially moving to New York. Um, we've got some few investors on the line, but it's uh, it's still it's still in the works. But uh, we have a lot more traction than we did uh, four months ago. Well, what's it like to be in a one of those startup, like a mat, you're in Mass Challenge, right? Yeah, Mass Challenge. Yeah, what, what's uh, mass it like challenge, to be surrounded by all these? It's humbling. It's uh, it's humbling uh, 100%. Uh, so the guy who basically at my desk, there's six people um, at the desk, uh, three across from me and two to the left of me. The guy across from me sold his company for $20 million three weeks ago. <laughs> he's like, what? And then he's just gone. And then his, his desk is just empty. It's just... Yeah, his desk is empty. <laughs> uh, there's this guy who uh, who works a few desks down. He's Greek. So funny. So he comes up to me and he sees me working. And I'm like, I'm pretty like switched on when I work. Like I block everything out. And he's like, Rob, Rob, Rob. He's like, you work too hard. He's like, come here. You come in, come into the office around 10. Work. Take a nap. Get up around 1.32. Work again. And then go home four o'clock. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, that is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Guess what? He sold his company on the Hong Kong stock exchange last week for an undisclosed amount. Like I don't, I don't even understand how smart some of the people I work with are and like how they just look so deceiving and are just the smartest switched on people, um, you'll ever meet. Um, the guys who work down a couple desks down, they graduated university at 19. They're 21 right now. And they're using brainwaves through, um, an Android operating system to cure ADHD. Uh, there's just, there's countless of companies there who are just changing the world. And like, I just have this advertising company and it really puts things in perspective. And I'm very, very blessed to be able to have, uh, have met them. And I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm always grateful for, for this experience because, uh, you know, tech accelerators are, are very new. Like they've, they haven't really been around for that long. 
and the people in them really are um, trailblazers. I mean, I'm not. I just I'm just along for the ride. But there there are people there who I, I they believe in their company way people, more than I do. I think a lot of people feel that way about themselves too. I I can't imagine you're alone on that. I'm sure. I'm sure because the ideas are so different. Like I, you know, you can. Uh, if somebody knows just a, an inkling of, uh, more than you about something you don't actually know about, they can seem like a genius to you too. So, I mean, these are wonderful ideas, but I'm sure you're not alone in that that sense that all these people feel like humbled by mm. it, right? Like you can't. Like, you have to come in there with uh, with like a humbling atmosphere because I, I I definitely used to be the guy, you know, the IB guy, like. I'm going to do this. I'm going to be the man. I'm just like, don't care about anyone but myself. And I've got this great idea and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, in, in the startup world, like you get shot down pretty quickly, uh, especially in mass challenge, because you're just around so many switched on people that you really have to lean on each other. Um, I always, I always tell people, um, about starting a company. I mean, some days I am on top of the world and I want to like, jump around naked and like have a beer and I'm like, everything's great. And there are other days where I crawl into my bed. I'm like, Oh my God, this is not going to work. I've made a terrible mistake. And, uh, if it wasn't for the the people around me who are also going through the same up down, um, sequence of emotions, like it would be incredibly difficult. The naked, incredible highs and the dizzying <laughs> embarrassed lows. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you can't really explain it to someone until they've been through it. Like it's it's really hard to explain. <laughs> oh man! Well, thanks for trying. Yeah. <laughs> um, man, this was this has been awesome. Let's uh, let's take it home. Let's let's give me uh, the kind of what's what's advertising looking like in the future as you are right now and what you have envisioned for yourself and uh, do a little plug for your for your company and where people can check you out and maybe some articles, um, another other okay. on you. Uh, so advertising in the future is going to be like this. Um, when you walk into a store, you're going to get the same personalized experience that you have online. So let's say you walk into a J crew. Let's say you walk into a J crew, Mike, um, it's going to scan you. It's going to like show you a suit on a digital screen, like a big five K monitor. Um, it's going to show you that the suits there, it's going to show you a sale, it's going to show you how many online reviews there are. So like you'll see it's got 95 out of 5 star reviews. And then there's a social media tweet about it. So you get the whole experience from the online setting in store. So uh, we really want to just have the brands connect with their customers once again. You can check us out at reallifeanalytics.com. Uh, and if you want to check out some of our articles, we are written up in... Uh, Boston Business Journal, uh, Beta Boston, and Boston O. Awesome. We'll put the. We're going to launch the site pretty soon, and and we'll get all the links up and everything like that. But awesome. Yo, thanks for that. Was just tremendous. <laughs> well, thank you. That was so fun. It was. It was a great time. Awesome, dude.